Samuel is sent on a secret mission to the town of Bethlehem to anoint a new king, a young shepherd whom God has chosen for himself. On The Bible Brief. Did you know that The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show? Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. The people have had their king, the king that they wanted, that they so desperately desired to be like other nations. God gave them Saul, a king taller than all the other men, strong, and after his victory at Jabesh-Gilead, a leader that the people would unite around. The twelve disparate tribes that had disunited during the time of the judges came back together under one king. Saul was anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit at various critical times, and given to the people as their king. However, after Saul's initial success, his reign went south. He began to be led by fear of the Philistines and fear of his own people, fear that led him to disobey direct commands by God. This disobedience by Saul resulted in judgment by Yahweh. Because Saul disobeyed, the kingdom would be taken from him and from his descendants. You can imagine how the prophet Samuel must have felt in all this. He was removed from his leadership position as judge over the people in favor of this king. Faithful Samuel, who had grown up in the tabernacle, was commanded by God to anoint this man from the tribe of Benjamin. This man who couldn't keep track of a few donkeys for his father was elevated to the highest leadership office in Israel. Samuel was angry and grieving, distraught and discontent at his situation, at Saul's disobedience and what God had asked him to do. Being a prophet for God was no joke. Sometimes Yahweh would have you do uncomfortable things and speak words that you wouldn't dare to speak on your own authority. Samuel is in his hometown of Ramah, apparently depressed from the circumstances, when God speaks to him again. Yahweh is going to do something new in Israel. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Yahweh gently rebukes Samuel for his attitude towards Saul and tells him essentially, Get up! I have more work for you to do. You're going to anoint a new king for me, a king from a family that I've already chosen. But oddly enough, Samuel initially resists this command from God, more out of practicality than anything else. Apparently, ever since Samuel had announced to Saul that another king would take his place, Saul had put Samuel under some sort of surveillance. Saul surmised that Samuel would be sent by God to anoint the next king, and Samuel feared that Saul might kill him on his way to Bethlehem to obey God's command. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Samuel is able to make it to Bethlehem with a double mission from God. He was to publicly sacrifice, but his other mission was the anointing of the new king, a mission he kept much closer to the chest, no doubt. When he arrives at the city, however, the elders come before him in great fear. They may have feared judgment from this famous prophet of God, or they may have feared that he might do to them, as he had done to Agag, the Amalekite king. Samuel, however, eases their fears and invites Jesse's family to come to the sacrifice that he will make to Yahweh. This mission of sacrifice will serve as cover for the main mission. It's in the next scene that we see how God picks a king for himself. A king after God's heart will be a king from the heart. He may not be the first choice in the eyes of man, but this king will be first choice in the eyes of God. When Jesse and his sons came, Samuel looked upon Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the smallest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Samuel had looked upon the eldest of the brothers, Eliab, and thought that he was of the right stature and look to be a king. But God quickly says a wonderful truth about himself. God says that he doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he looks upon the heart. God sees through a person's exterior and looks on the inwardmost parts of a person. He looks upon the heart and sees every thought, every sadness, every virtuous quality, every temptation. He looks where the eyes of man can't even begin to search. And that's how God picks his king. A king not even among the older, taller brothers at the sacrifice. No, God picks a king out shepherding the sheep. And soon we meet this shepherd son of Jesse. Jesse sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David, the shepherd of the sheep, is going to replace Saul, the loser of donkeys. This young man, small in stature, is great in heart, and God has chosen him to be the next king of Israel. Samuel empties the horn of oil upon David's head, and immediately the spirit of Yahweh rushes upon David to be with him, not for temporary acts, but with some measure of permanence. David has now been set apart for service to God, and he will have God's spirit empowering him to rise to the throne of Israel. Now about ten miles away in the town of Gibeah, something else was happening to King Saul. 
maybe even simultaneous to this anointing of David in Bethlehem. Saul's empowering by the Spirit was removed and replaced with a harmful spirit from Yahweh, a spirit of judgment for Saul's continuing disobedience to God. We read this in verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the string the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. You'd think that Saul's loss of the spirit of God would have been palpable to him, an absence that he would have immediately known in his bones. We don't know if he had an instant reaction to this, but but it's interesting to note that his servants are the ones who identify that he's been given a new harmful spirit instead. Perhaps they noticed before Saul even noticed. Quickly they suggest finding a musician to be sought to play a stringed instrument called the lyre, hoping that the music will soothe Saul and cause the harmful spirit to leave. It's here that we learn that this harmful spirit placed upon Saul is a tool used not only for the purpose of judgment, but for the purpose of elevation of another man. The servants seek their musician, and they seek him from Bethlehem. One of Saul's young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful at playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of great presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread, and a skin of wine and a young goat, and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul's servant suggests none other than David himself, the secretly anointed king. And the servant gives David quite the intro. He says that David is a skilled musician, a man of valor, a warrior, wise in speech, and a man with good presence. But most importantly, the servant says that Yahweh is with David. Apparently by this point, God's blessing upon David was becoming well known within Israel, so much so that it was known by this servant of Saul. So Saul sends for David and gets him from among his sheep, before David enters the service of Saul at Gibeah. Little does Saul know that he's elevating the next king from obscurity in Bethlehem to a notable position among Saul's men. Saul even begins to favor David and makes him one of his right-hand men. We read, Saul loved David greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. This secret king destined for the throne of Israel is playing music for the current king, destined to be deposed by God. David, the shepherd of the sheep, is now filling the halls of Saul's home in Gibeah with melody. And as time passes, David continues to soothe Saul, and the harmful spirit departs from him. It's as if God is using David as a balm to this disobedient king, showing David's faithfulness to Saul, despite his eventual rise to replace Saul. God is sowing seeds of peace between the two men 
through the music of a lyre. For now, the two men live in the same city, probably eat meals at the same table, and laugh at the same jokes. But God has made his choice. Not the choice that Samuel or perhaps anyone would have made. God looked upon David's heart, and there he saw a king. A king who happens to be in the great line of promise in the Bible. Because David is a descendant of Eve, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Judah, of Perez, of Boaz, and of Jesse. He's the unlikely king because he isn't the firstborn. God's choice of David picks up a story that has seemed perhaps on pause ever since those 70 people of the budding nation of Israel went down to Egypt to find food. David picks up the story of the great coming king, the king who will defeat his enemies, rule over Israel, and command the obedience of the nations, the king who will break the strongholds of his adversaries, who will conquer the land, who will crush the serpent. Join us next time as the Philistines rise against Israel. Big and tall Saul shrinks back in fear while David shows what he's made of. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023